Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. It's just another day for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Traveling through space, searching for cosmic loot, and fighting baddies whenever they present themselves. On this day, however, they intercept a distress call from the surface of a nearby planet. It's huge! It's metallic and it's killing us all! Star-Lord calls out to the crew to ask what they think that they should do. Rocket and Gamora just look at each other with nervous hesitation, while Groot is too busy listening to his Zune to bother paying attention. It is then that Drax can be heard laughing from the back of the ship. The bigger, the better! Drax proclaims, Let's go make this metal monster bleed! Star-Lord tilts his head sideways before giving a nod that says, Why not? Rocket turns to Gamora and whispers, Yeah, you better pack the biggest guns we got. And the ship changes course. But this time, will they be in over their heads? It's Nowhere versus the Cosmic Monster. It's Star-Lord's crew versus the Apex Titan. It's the Guardians of the Galaxy versus Mechagodzilla in a boss battle. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavzi, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stekanis. Legion of Audience, we're bringing you a battle that both the MCU and MonsterVerse you know, that cinematic universe with Godzilla and King Kong, that the entire world would love to see on the big screen. In one corner, you have Mecha Godzilla, an iconic opponent to Godzilla that has appeared in some way, shape, or form for about five decades, versus the Guardians of the Galaxy, the group of galactic super overachievers who are equal parts lucky and plucky, at least according to Tony Stark. As usual, I did the patent who would win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed. And yet again... Not any time online in this universe, as far as I can tell, in any other fictional universe or the multiverse, has this specific battle ever been discussed. So it's the first time ever on the Who Would Win show. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I think the idea for boss battles is finally here. We've done one before with the Super Skrull versus the Gotham Knight slash Bat Family slash anyone Batman adjacent that James could think to bring into the fight. And what a heck of a match that it was. I won't say who won. I'll just say, go listen. I need the downloads. But this one is number two in our boss battle series. We got the Guardians of the Galaxy. And I don't know which version you're using yet. You've been very cagey about this. Versus Mechagodzilla, who I have not told you which version I'm using yet because I too could be cagey, James Gavsey. And I don't know. On the surface, I could see this going either way. It's really going to come down to the points that are made. What I'm trying to say is 100% chance that I win this battle. 
Again, I wasn't listening to anything you just said, because here's the thing, Ray. You know, we've been talking about these boss battles. And again, we don't know what versions we're using. But something kind of hit me in doing the research for this matchup. For all of our Who Would Win episodes, after the episode's done and we get our reactions, I kind of have the same thought, which is I would love to see what we just talked about in live action on the big screen. So the question I have for you, Ray, especially like today's episode, what if there were no limitations for crossovers? What if you didn't have to worry about Disney and Warner Brothers and blah, 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 and Sony and legality and licensing? What if we could actually have no limits and have any type of crossover event in cinema, would that be a good thing or would that be a bad thing? I would love to see, and this is just this is just me talking, take some of my favorite properties and put them together in sort of their same world using CGI, using, you know, the new Marvel youthening technology. What if we found a way to put Batman 1966, right? And put that in the same world as Linda Carter's Wonder Woman and Christopher Reeve's Superman and create a Justice League movie starring like all of these iconic stars of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. If we could make, you know, old school uh, movie versions or TV versions or whatever you want to say of the DC universe come together like that, it would be nothing but joyous to me. I think what you just described is a uh, a recipe for a billion-dollar blockbuster. Billion. But here's another one. With a B. I actually have a prediction. It, 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 if this were to happen, if somehow the MCU and James Gunn's DCU could somehow merge, I have a theory, which is that the powers that be would say, we made so much freaking money, we blew away Avatar, all the Avatars in this one single movie, Let's permanently merge the MCU and DCU together to finally make this one insanely awesome universe. I believe it should have been a thing 20, 30 years ago. Ray, do you think the world could handle a merged MCU and DCU? I mean, don't get too crazy about it. The way WB is selling all of their properties, Marvel might buy DC literally before this episode airs. So let's not get too crazy and put that thought into the stratosphere. That's fair. Although the way things have been going, Disney might be selling Star Wars and Marvel. You never know how things are turn out. Oh, get out but with that nonsense. Have, it's crazy. But luckily we have someone on the show who can bring their logic, their their intelligence, which is just immeasurable to the show. They've been on before, and we are so lucky to have them back on, making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. It's star of Reclaimed Detroit, co-star of the upcoming feature film, Future Date. It's comedian extraordinaire. It's Matt Harris. Matt, welcome back to Who Would Win. Thank you for having me. I cannot tell you how excited I am to not only be back, not only lending what I can to Who Would Win, but on a boss battle, this is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, when I heard what this was going to be, look, I, I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit. Judges are people. Judges are people, too. Just just put that out there to, to the people out there. Judges are people, too. And uh, we come in sometimes with a little bit of bias. You know, it's, it's just, you hear, you go, you go, what? This versus this? Get out of here. I know how this is going to go. This was one I heard where I went, I honestly, I there's no bias in there. I have no idea how this is going to go. I'm excited what you guys are going to bring today. Yeah, a battle this huge, you'd figure anybody would want to judge it, right? Anybody would leap at the chance to jump Absolutely. in to do this match. So we're excited to have you back to be a part of it. Overjoyed, thrilled to be here. And today, listen, I'm a generally easygoing guy, but the critical eye is on today. Everybody's got to bring the A game today. Well, okay, l l this is why I'm so happy you're on the show, because you're, you're first of all, 
Awesome. Secondly, an, uh, an amazing comedian and everything. And, you know, before I even get to my question, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what you've been up to, Matt Harris. Absolutely. Okay, well, uh, you know, following the tradition of a lot of the uh, guests, the, or ju the judges you do have on here, because I do love this show and I listen to this show, you know, a lot of people talk about the NDAs they have and things they can't talk about. I have none of that. I'm an absolutely open book. <laughs> There's no NDAs going on here. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't buy an NDA from someone, uh, but I can tell you, first of all, uh, reclaim Detroit. Everybody needs to be listening to this show. Everybody needs to go back and hear Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. Uh, you could catch it wherever you catch podcasts. It is a great show filled with great talent and, a, and, and you got to have this first season. Get hooked on this first season because things are cooking. That's all I can tell you on that. The film future date. I want people to, to get their eyes on this film. This film is so close in its funding. Go to your Instagrams. Go to IG. Check out future date film. It's actually a, a really sweet, I guess I can call it, a, it, it's a romantic comedy, but that's kind of flipping it on its head. It's, it's what do you do uh, when you're trying to find love in a post-apocalyptic world where people can't interact in person? And you can catch me every last Wednesday of the month. Go to Twitch for my game show, Own Every Word, The Game Show. I'm telling you, uh, it's it's a, a panel of comedians. We're uh, essentially playing a really funny version of Mad Libs where the contestants can win NFT prizes. Yes, they are still doing NFT prizes. And you should come check us out on Twitch, Own Every Word, Go to Twitch, put that in, and check us out because our shows have gotten a lot filthier. Yeah, I, I've done that show before, and I can only say it is a trip. It is a very funny show to be a part of. They get very funny people on the show. I mean, I was on it. That's all you need to know. Look, we've got so many things to discuss, but more importantly, we have a show to do. So, Ray, with all that being said, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics. The team that I can safely call the second greatest hero team named Guardians of all time. The Guardians of the Galaxy. And representing Japanese cinema. The mecha that makes chat GPT look like Teddy Ruxpin. Mecha Godzilla. Ray, whenever you bring up the Guardians movie, that and I was forced to watch it for an episode, I can taste... Uh, the recovery from my first COVID shot. Hey, for the record, you're welcome. It tasted like I you're thought welcome. victory, but just the opposite. All right, well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debate will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, I've been waiting all week for this. What version of Mechagodzilla will you be using for today? I will be using the original OG movie version of Mechagodzilla. I don't really care for the anime version or the newer movie version, so I'm going with the Showa and Heisei era Mechagodzilla from the movies of the 70s, basically. Uh, so know this, he's coming. Wow. Okay, that's actually an interesting decision. So look, 
typically I would go with the uh, Marvel 616 comic book yeah, version of, course you of, of the Guardians of the Galaxy because they're so powerful, they're massive in terms of lineup, they have so many different power players, but I'm not. We're doing a change-up. I'm going with the MCU version Stop. of Guardians of the Galaxy. You're right, in honor of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming out soon. Okay. The last version, or the oh. last episode, I guess, of this movie. So, yeah, let's do MCU okay. uh, versus the Cinematic Universe for Mechagodzilla. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides. As is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we go on, this year in season five of the Who Would Win Show, we've been encouraging our fan base, the Legion of Audience, to use the hashtag WWWFantasy to keep up with our Who Would Win Fantasy League. Here with an update on the current standings is our very own Robert Clark Chan. It's not just the current standings, it's the finish of season one of the who would win fantasy league we went 14 weeks we have tallied all of the scores there have been a bunch of people uh, um entering and we appreciate all of it interesting fact four times every single person every single person uh, voted for the same combatant that was kang everybody voted for kang over uh uh Rick Sanchez, Stewie over R2-D2 and C-3PO, Blue Beetle over uh, Master Chief, and Nightwing over Riddick, although in that instance, Riddick actually won. So, yeah, some pretty smart people here in the Fantasy League. They know what's up. But when it comes down to it, last time we checked in, the top five, Tyler Morton, Sir Moxford, Gunnar Lothar, uh, Lord Snurts, and Christopher Van, Christopher Van Ochten. It's flipped up a little bit. In fifth place, Christopher Van Ochten. In fourth place, Gunnar Lothar. In third place, Lord Snurts. Second place, Tyler Morton. And in first place, Sir Moxford has taken season one of the wow. Who Would Win Fantasy League. How about that? Good job, Moxie. That's what mm -hmm. I'm talking about. So start bombarding James Gavsey on all social media to give you a prize. <laughs> oh, and you a prize. Uh, season two starts right up. So uh, get those votes in. Hashtag WWW Fantasy on either Twitter or Facebook, our Facebook group. Go check that out. You know where it is. Come on now. And there you have it from Robert Clark Chan. Thank you to everyone who played WWE Fantasy for Season 1. Get ready for an even better Season 2 of our Fantasy League. Make sure you tell your friends, your family, even people who you're enemies with. You want to bring people together, do the WWE Fantasy League, and be part of something amazing with the Who Would Win Show. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Mecha Godzilla. Mecha Godzilla is a kaiju-sized robot that is based on the character Godzilla. He was conceived by Tomoyuki Tanaka and first appeared in the film Godzilla vs. Mecha Godzilla in 1974. Over the years, Godzilla has had a host of enemies to fight on screen. Usually, though, with the exception, I guess, of Jet Jaguar, this is limited to other giant monsters like Mothra, King Ghidorah, for example. Well, leading into the 20th anniversary of Godzilla, Tanaka wondered if maybe a giant fighting robot that matches the new popular animes that were also filled with giant fighting robots might be the answer to the 20th anniversary uh, movie idea. The result of this is Mecha Godzilla, a construct that mimics many of Godzilla's powers while adding in some more of his own. Mecha Godzilla has now appeared in several movies, anime shows, and video games. Fun fact, despite most recent depictions of Mecha Godzilla, portraying him as made by humans in order to fight Godzilla, did you know that his original incarnation is a bit more alien? That's right. In his original couple appearances, he was created by the Black Hole Planet 3 aliens, originally dressing up to look like Godzilla, impersonate him, and sucker punch another monster pretending to be him, and then, of course, you know, destroy Tokyo, because that's what they all do. I don't know why aliens hate Tokyo so much. Maybe they don't care for karaoke parties. Anyway, that is Mechagodzilla. Well done, Ray Stacanus. Now, here are the details for Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, the Guardians of the Galaxy were created by Arnold Drake and Gene Collin and first appeared in comic book form in Marvel Super Heroes number 18 back in January of 1969. The MCU version of the Guardians of the Galaxy are a team of intergalactic outlaws and mercenaries who protect the Andromeda Galaxy. The team was founded in 2014 when Peter Quill, Gamora, Rocket Raccoon, Recruit, and Drax the Destroyer assembled to save Xandar from being decimated by Ronan the Accuser. Peter Quill, also known as Star-Lord, is a half-human, half-spartoy man who was abducted from Earth as a child and raised by the Ravagers, a group of space pirates. Gamora is a genetically engineered assassin who was raised by Thanos to be the perfect weapon. Rocket Raccoon is a genetically engineered raccoon with a genius intellect and a penchant for explosives, because why not? Groot is a walking, talking tree with a limited vocabulary, but a big heart. By the way, I've added Mantis, who's an empath with the ability to sense and manipulate emotions, and I've also added Nebula, Gamora's stepsister and superhumanly powerful cyborg. And, of course, there's Drax the Destroyer, a powerful warrior who's driven by the thirst for revenge against Thanos for the death of his family. Now, the Guardians of the Galaxy are not always the most conventional heroes, but they always fight for what they believe in. They are an inspiration of people all over the galaxy, and they show that anyone can be a hero no matter where they come from. And here's an interesting fact about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Did you know that James Gunn, 
actually hung out with real raccoons to get a feel for Rocket <laughs> Raccoon. It's true. My Although, because <laughs> why not? I mean, you know, that's how What's-His-Name did it for Jurassic Park. He was hanging out with T-Rexes and Brontosaurus. Uh, although Rocket is a very human character in some ways, albeit an extremely dangerous one, James Gunn looked to the animals the character is based on for inspiration. In the lead-up to the first movie, the director studied raccoons and even had some <laughs> brought into his office so he could see their personalities in real life. This is crazy. It's no surprise that the Rocket is such a ragged, animalistic character in the movies. One odd thing about that is that, whereas the comic book version of Rocket is simply an anthropomorphic Raccoon, the movie version is a genetically engineered being with no knowledge of what a raccoon even is, a detail people often mistake for comics canon. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Matt, do you have any questions before we get started? Uh, as of now, no, it seems pretty clear. Although, studying raccoons for a character that does not know that it's a raccoon, that's some, <laughs> that's some eight, eight dimensional chess that, uh, and Mr. Gunn is playing there. All right. Well, a fun fact, we don't know if those raccoons that were brought in were ever taken out. Mm. Uh, Check you know, the credits. He did have some funny hats and was eating some weird food for a while. That's just, you know, a theory. All right. Race to Canis. It's a boss battle. Let's do it. Go ahead and hit us for your point number one. Point number one for Mecha Godzilla. Let's talk about his size. Let's talk about his power. Because even with seven, yeah, seven members of the Guardians of the Galaxy, each one is what? Two meters tall at the most? I mean, what, what is Dave Batista? He's like 6'5", maybe, 6'4". I mean, he might not even be that big. The point I'm trying to make is an average member of the Guardian of the Galaxy, uh, counting, of course, Groot being a little taller, Rack Rocket Raccoon being a little shorter, about two meters tall. Mechagodzilla is 50 meters tall. 50. He's 25 times bigger than any single member, and that just means a massive size advantage. Who's going to do what to even move this guy, to even dent this guy? 50 meters for the kids at home is 164 feet tall, roughly. That is a 16-story building. Do you think you could walk up to a 16-story building and punch it down? Unless your name is, you know, uh, 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 Kenshiro from Fist of the North Star, the answer is no. And that's why the strength advantage here and the power and, and damage output is off the chain when it comes to Mechagodzilla, and it's severely limited when it comes to the Guardians of the Galaxy. He weighs 40,000 metric tons. Marvel's uh, strength limit only goes to, like, uh, what, 100 tons? 40,000 metric tons is virtually immovable to the likes of seven humanoid creatures. And this is why he's able to, you know, kick other kaiju like King Caesar. He kicked him when he was down and threw him across the entire battlefield, which was like a giant open mountainous area and was able to kick another kaiju and send him flying. What happens when a guy this big just takes a step Half the Guardians will be turned to jelly immediately. And it's not just that. He is a character in Mechagodzilla who knows actually how to fight. I've seen him against other kaiju shockingly use strikes and strategy. For example, he grabbed King Caesar and tried to shove his hand in his mouth in order not to do a mandible claw like Mankind from the WWE, but to shoot his finger missiles down his throat and end the threat right there. Additionally, he could swivel his head and attack multiple enemies at once. So it's not even like someone's going to sneak up behind Mecha Godzilla. 
He's also got rockets loaded onto him to allow for flight. I'll talk about that a little bit later, but do you know what happens if you stand under a NASA shuttle when it takes off? NASA shuttle is not 40,000 metric tons last I checked. And that amount of propulsion needed to launch him would just burn out the entire area of the city around where he wants to take off. And if the Guardians are standing down there, oops, too well. And not just that, when he lands, he shakes the earth when he does it. Let me talk briefly about his armor. He's coated originally in space titanium, which is 10 times the strength of steel. So he's going to deflect bullets. He's going to defect layman's weapons. He's going to do that. He also has a defense neo barrier where he spins his head around, shoots out a laser beam, and puts a force field around himself with his own lasers. It was a force field that was so strong, it blocked the atomic breath of Godzilla, and Godzilla ran up to punch it and just fell down. It electrically charged him and knocked Godzilla down. A common theme with Mecha Godzilla. And his upgraded version in the second movie is called NT1, an artificial diamond coating, which completely nullifies atomic breath, and it lasted until Godzilla leveled up a few times and hit him with uranium atomic heat ray. And that finally, after multiple shots, dented Mechagodzilla. At the end of the day, he's just too big, too strong, and too powerful for this team of, 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 of space mutants to, to even handle. And that's my point number one. Space mutants? Space mutants? Interesting. All right, let me rebut a couple of these things. Uh, first of all, Dave Patisse is actually about 6'3". Uh, oftentimes, wrestlers' heights are exaggerated. Just felt that was an interesting I've fact. I've never heard of this before. Yes, not at all. Uh, Andre the Giant, a legit 7'4", uh, 540 pounds. Legit, you know, for 100%. the record, when I used to go to the ring, do you know how tall Almighty Ray was? <laughs> okay, how tall? Announced at 20 feet tall. Yeah, that tracks. But and even that's exaggeration. That's an yeah. exaggeration. You're no more than like, what, 15 and a half, maybe 16 feet tall at uh, 16 most. 16 even is last I checked. Maybe, yeah. maybe. All right, listen, uh, quick question. How many opponents has Mechagodzilla fought that are plucky? How many? Godzilla's, oh, Godzilla's one of the pluckiest characters in fiction. But aside Godzilla from that, is a badass, mm. but you know what? No one's saying, hey, look how plucky Godzilla is. Never been said before. I believe I'm the first one to ever say it ever in the history of the universe. On top of that, uh, you know, you're talking about fighting skills. I actually have to completely disagree. Mechagodzilla is known for not having great fighting skills. Just because you can put a hand in someone's mouth. I mean, I know I had someone, I knew someone back in the day who used to do that. That was definitely not a air quote fighting skill that's just something he can do that's cool but that's definitely not fighting combative skills at play here and listen force fields are great but you gotta remember Groot believe it or not he can go underground he can grow stuff underground that force field only goes to the ground it doesn't go all the way through that's just a fun thing let me get to my point number one here and it's not definitely going to or it's not going to directly go against what Ray is saying more along the lines from point number one I want to talk about just kind of what this team brings to the table at you know individual by individual so in terms of you know Guardians of the Galaxy let's go start with Star-Lord Listen, he's an expert marksman, great hand-to-hand -hand combatant. He's a skilled pilot. He's a great leader. He's a master tactician and strategist, I think. Uh, he's got this element gun. It's kind of mysterious. He can shoot energy blasts and various elemental properties. Remember, this thing's super powerful. It took out chunks of Kurt Russell when he was the avatar for Ego, the Living Planet. That was a very powerful, almost godlike version of Kurt Russell. Let's just face it, Kurt Russell is pretty much walking around godlike anyway. Uh, also, he wears a Kree fitted helmet that enhances his sight, provides uh, data analysis. He's got that helmet gun. He's got two Kree submachine guns, boot thrusters for some cool limited uh, flight. He's pretty cool. Now, 
Rocket Raccoon's really cool too, fiercely loyal to his friends. He's kind of like the MacGyver of the team. He can put whatever he needs to together on the spot. So even in a random encounter, he's gonna figure out how to fight something, especially if it's technological in nature like a Mechagodzilla. For him, he's got a genius level intellect. He's got this enhanced strength, speed, agility, and reflexes. He is an expert marksman. He is an unbelievably great hand-to-hand -hand combatant. We saw that in the second Guardians of the Galaxy movies when we took out, what, dozens of people at the same time. Uh, he's got a proficiency in explosive. He's also a great tactician and strategist, and he's also an expert pilot. And he's got a rocket launcher, grenades, blasters, energy rifle, and techno armor. I guess that's really good armor that plays techno when you go into battle. That is just amazing. Of course, there's Gamora, a genetically engineered assassin who was raised by Thanos to be the perfect weapon. Hello, that's pretty insane. She's got superhuman strength, speed, agility, reflexes. She's got an enhanced healing factor. Master martial artist and swordsman, skilled in hand-to-hand -hand combat, highly skilled expert marksman, proficiency in explosives. This just seems to be a, a recurring thing. And also a master tactician strategist. She's got two swords, dual swords, daggers, blasters, energy rifle and she also has this musically inclined techno armor which is great of course there's nebula cyborg kind of sister half sister of uh, gamora or stepsister all the same thing superhuman strength speed agility reflexes enhanced healing factor master martial arts and swordsman as well skilled hand-to-hand -hand combatant expert marksman proficiency in explosive surprise surprise and yeah, the usual master tactician, and she's got these cybernetic implants that enhance all of her strength, speed, and durability even further. Uh, she's got electroshock batons, flamethrowers, energy whips, and this musical techno armor. I really want to see this in action. Now there's Mantis. Mantis is more of this person who can heal someone uh, spiritually and through their mind. I don't see her being a big offensive feat, you know, thing or threat in this battle, but she's definitely going to be there, you know, to help the team kind of stay cohesive and do what she does. Uh, then, of course, you've got Drax, who's got all the fun stuff, the strength, the speed, the durability, the tactician. He's got the desire to fight. He's a monster. He's got enhanced, uh, you know, healing factors. Uh, he's got that element gun, some machine guns, and boot thrusters for limited flight. Look, when you put this team together, here's the deal. You've got a group of ind individuals that somehow, when brought together as a family, create a synergy and they can accomplish massive things. When I say massive, I mean beating things much bigger and much more powerful than Mechagodzilla. More on that in my later points. All of that is my point number one. Okay, now look, you're, you're, you're being a little weird right now. You know, yes, they shot the Avatar of Ego, the living planet. Avatars in like all comics, all movies are known to be a fraction of the power of the actual character. How many uh, avatars of Darkseid have gotten murdered in the DC universe? All properties. Like, they don't matter. They don't, they're just weaker versions. It's, you might as well be shooting the Kurt Russell version from Overboard uh, if you're going to be talking like that. Now, uh, what are the Guardians of the Galaxy bringing to the table here? What are they getting? Big knives? Pistols? Laser pistols? Machine guns? Oh no! We've seen armies with tanks and mortars and howitzers and, 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 and fighter jets unable to bring down kaiju before, especially kaiju with specially coated armor. I don't know what they're possibly going to do. What plan? You must have one or we wouldn't be here. But what plan the Guardians would possibly put together, especially on the spot, in order to bring down something like Mecha Godzilla? Because at the end of the day, size actually does matter here. I disagree that size does matter. That's a thing. But, you know, we'll see if there's a plan in place now, more importantly. Our esteemed judge, Matthew Harris, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where is your head at so far in this matchup? Well, as an esteemed judge, uh, what I can tell you is that as of now, 
I'm going to say that the edge is going to Mecha Godzilla, and I will explain my reasons why. Really, what we're doing now, and 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 really, it's not by a whole bunch. It's only because of the information that I, I'm getting so far. And right now, uh, there's just a lot of information that's been given. So in the in the coming rounds, what I'm going to be looking for is how's that information going to be. Like, what, what are we going to do with it? Yeah, right now, uh, yeah, Mechagodzilla. He's as, he's as big as a, a building stacked upon another building. He's got all these stats and Guardians of the Galaxy. Awesome force. Absolutely awesome force. But I understand you had to take your point one just to tell us what they can do. But I, I'm I, I, that's only the judgment right now. I am definitely reserving and excited to see what's coming up next. Brilliant as always. I'm referring to both you and myself, Matthew Harris, and Ray's here too. Ray, go ahead and hit us for your point number two. Yeah, normally I'd be worried about Mantis in an episode like this, but I've got a robot, so I'm not too concerned there. Good call mostly leaving her out. Why is she here at all? I don't know. My point number two is the offensive abilities of one Mechagodzilla, because personally, I think even if he had no weapons whatsoever... Mechagodzilla destroys the Guardians of the Galaxy just by walking around and firing his rockets and lifting himself slightly off the ground and scorched earthing everything around him. To me, he doesn't even need weapons. But thankfully, he still has them anyway. He's got lasers. Holy cow, does this character have lasers. Just in the small sample size of movies I chose from, he has a space beam, which are laser beams that shoot directly out of his eyes. They're roughly equivalent to Godzilla's atomic breath, one of the most powerful attacks in kaiju land, if you will. He was able to fly above and shoot down the space beam at Godzilla uh, in in the movie and literally hit him so hard and so many times Godzilla started erupting blood from his neck like it was some sort of crazy slasher film from the 1980s it was quite honestly upsetting but there it was he can make Godzilla bleed if he can make Godzilla bleed with the lasers guess what he's gonna do to you know rocket raccoon holy crap but not just that, laser firing apparatus. It's on his head and he doesn't even need his head to shoot because later version allowed for a second one that was like coming up out of his neck. So even if somehow this character lost his head, he would still be able to fire lasers from his head. And he has a chest one called the cross attack beam, which fires an electromagnetic beam. That's really good against people who use, you know, metal weaponry or, you know, you know, a, a futuristic technology. Electromagnetic beams are the kind of things, you know, Magneto would potentially mess with magnetism, right? And cause weapons not to work. Well, what does Mechagodzilla's electromagnetic beam do if not that? But we're not done. He has a Mega Buster, which is essentially his version of the atomic breath. He can only use it in short bursts because it does overheat, but I want to mention it. And he has what's called the Plasma Grenade, which is not a grenade, which was really weird to find out. It's a plasma beam that shoots from his stomach, and it's powered by the fact that he's fought other kaiju you with plasma attacks his armor has absorbed that energy much like black panther armor and then shoots the out as a plasma beam now why they call it a plasma grenade is because i did not name these attacks and besides lasers missiles he's got finger missiles he just sticks his hand out and then shoots a variety of missiles that hit his target he's hit these missiles on other kaiju repeatedly it's got good aim on it if he's shooting down at the ground he could 
take out entire areas with them. And these finger missiles keep automatically reloading over and over and over again. He's also got what's called the Hamu shot, which are missiles that come out of his knees and then explode after a time release uh, system. So they don't even explode right away. So he can create a battlefield area that's unusable that they might not realize is unusable. He's also got high pressure homing missiles that come out of his toes that can drill down into the ground if somehow Groot tries to get a little bit weird and come up from the ground. But not just that. He's got what's called the trace device around his neck and inside of his mouth where even more missiles can come out in combo attacks. And he's got special missiles. A D&D fan might even call them magic missiles. Paralyzer missiles that he can shoot 60, 60 at a time that are powerful enough to stun Godzilla. So if he just peppers the battlefield with those, all the guardians are getting stunned. He's also got tranquilizer missiles that could put the guardians to sleep if he wanted to. Again, a missile powerful enough to stun Godzilla will be no problem against the guardians of the galaxy. At the end of this match, only one figure will be standing and he is 164 feet tall. And that's my point number two. All right, look. You can't deny the master design of Mechagodzilla as a highly offensive uh, creature, for lack of a better term, with a great you know, destructive capability in its weaponry. The problem is these are all range attacks. And he was designed to take on much larger opponents. And one of the things that the Guardians do is they scatter. They are always scattering. They're not going to stay all five of them together at the same time. We've seen this in different movies where they fight all over the place. They, they make these strategies to take advantage of whatever distance and, and terrain they have. And this is something they'll do here. Now, in terms of Mechagodzilla's flying ability, I'd say at best you could describe his flying ability as clunky. This is not a highly maneuverable flying object of a being in Mechagodzilla. Of course, anything that's that big, 40,000 tons and can fly in the air, is highly impressive, but it's not like doing death-defying feats of flying artistry or what have you. It goes up in the air, it can fly in a direction, maybe run a little bit and slowly come down. Not a hard target to miss. Uh, let's see, the weapons that the Guardians use, by the way, absolutely can inflict some damage on Mechagodzilla. Is it going to take him out completely? No, but it's absolutely going to inflict some damage because they've got crazy powerful weapons. I'm not talking about the knives. I'm talking about the actual grenade launchers, missiles, and lasers, what have you. Uh, and in terms of all the weaponry that Mechagodzilla has, I, you know, I'll, I'll say it. Guardians of the Galaxy, listen, these are people from all over. Gamora being brought up by Thanos. You think they haven't seen this before? They have absolutely seen it, by, been hit by it, uh, absorbed the attack. They know how to deal with this crazy weaponry. As advanced as it seems on Mechagodzilla, it's kind of rudimentary for the Guardians team. And finally, uh, you know, if any attack goes into the ground, Groot, with his uh, ability to use all his plant-like stuff, whatever it is, and his sensory output, whatever, he's going to completely disarm anything that comes in the ground because that's what group does now let me get to my point number two and let's level up this fight a little bit let's discuss from my point number two the guardians of the galaxy spaceship so the guardians of the galaxy are known for you know a couple of different ships they've used in their adventures the first being the milano which was named after uh peter quill's crush on 86 comma Alyssa milano then after that ship what was it they upgraded to the benatar uh an even more powerful ship whose name is based off the iconic singer pat benatar and now 
in, we saw this in their Christmas special, they've upgraded yet again to the Bowie, their larger and most powerful ship to date, obviously named after singer David Bowie. So what can this ship do? So it's got crazy speed and agility. The Bowie has this speed, uh, whether it's in atmosphere or in space, that's really, really insane. It's got great maneuverability. It can evade enemy ships. It can navigate the most challenging environments you can think of. This thing is dodging blasts and attacks like no one's business. In terms of weapons, the Bowie is equipped with a number of weapons, including laser cannons, missile launchers, which we use for both offense and defense. And remember, it's not just taking out individual fighter sh ships that are coming at it. This is designed to take on massive Star Destroyer-esque type of ships that come at it as well. The ship's also super durable. It's made of some type of alloy designed to, designed to take massive amounts of punishment because when you get in a space battle or attacked by anything in space, you have to assume that any hit you take is designed to inflict crazy damage. But if that wasn't enough, the Bowie also fear features advanced shield technology that can absorb and deflect powerful energy blasts and projectiles, even asteroids, and all of the other surprises space has to offer. By the way, the shields will the shields will absolutely be key in this battle. Also, the Bowie has onboard super advanced AI. All that means is if they say, hey, you got to go on autopilot and kind of work within our plan or what have you, the ship can kind of do it. I just kind of wish that the ship had like a cool Jarvis kind of system you got to hear or see. It didn't, but it still has a great AI. And the Bowie also has multiple escape pods, and these escape pods can be used as individual fighter ships ships that can absolutely distract Mechagodzilla and kind of buzz at it, what have you. There's a lot of different options. And on top of that, it's got a stealth mode, which means it can fly cloaked, undetected, and avoid any unwanted detention. This is alien space tech of the highest degree, and they've got it. On top of that, just a fun fact, it can fly at faster than the speed of light and can fly in an atmosphere much faster than even the most advanced tech on planet Earth within the MCU. Now, keep in mind, the Bowie is designed to take on and take out major threats from alien warlords with their Star Destroyer-sized ships, space-faring creatures that are even bigger than Mechagodzilla. The Guardians of the Galaxy need the Bowie to be able to deal with massive unexpected threats. But here's the real thing. When you look at Mechagodzilla, you have to realize it represents some of the most advanced tech on the planet. But that tech is really still pretty pedestrian compared to what the Bowie can do. Now, race to Canis, I'll take you back in time to a previous episode of the Who Would Win show. This is where Iron Man took on Exo Manowar from Valiant Comics. I brought up a point about Rocket Raccoon when he was dealing with Tony Stark Iron Man's armor somewhere in space. And Rocket Raccoon kept saying, wow, this is what you've got? This is really pedestrian. This is really backwards technology. This sucks. That kind of advanced tech that Rocket Raccoon is using that makes Iron Man's armor look kind of backwards, that's what was designed for this ship. That's all the tech they use is hyper-advanced, especially compared to Mecha Godzilla. Put all that together, and that's my point number two. Of course, the example you're talking about was a comic book version of Rocket Raccoon who was looking at plans of the Iron Man suit in comic book land. Not exactly the same version that you're talking about today, obviously, and, uh, and yeah, the one thing I just want to talk about here is that ship will be a little bit annoying. I absolutely think they would have access to it. Uh, it was there in the opening story. They were in their ship, so why wouldn't they have it? But that ship is not uh, unreachable. That ship can be hit. That ship can be damaged. That ship is, you know, it, it can absolutely be hurt, especially when you're having 
you know, hundreds and hundreds of missiles being shot at it and laser beams. I don't think it's going to be able to withstand, uh, especially given how close it's going to need to get to Mechagodzilla for an actual fight to take place. Uh, I, I would be very concerned, especially given the uh, force field that I put together. If they try to fly through that, they're going to get shredded. All right, we are at the turning point where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Matt tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Matt has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today, our patron of the week is a relatively newer member of the Patreon, Michael W. It's your day to shine. Ooh, with Michael W., we're going to have to give him a plucky type of opponent, one that can use Toon Force if necessary. Let's have Michael W. go up against Peter Griffin. Peter Griffin versus Michael W. This is a tough one because Michael W. is a down-to-earth kind of a guy, you know? Uh, he he really likes to kind of sit by the campfire uh, drinking, a, drinking a beer and hanging out with his friends, you know? We got a lot of those kind of people in our lives, and we always appreciate the down-to-earth folks that come. But what is Peter Griffin known for? Peter Griffin is known for having drinks, sitting around with his friends at, what is it, the, the drunken clam, and, and, and having a good time drinking beers and hanging out with his friends. So these two are honestly, at the end of the day, kindred spirits. These are two people that wouldn't want to fight. But what do we know about these people as well? They have one too many, and suddenly it doesn't matter who they're talking to, they do want to fight. And these two have an absolutely epic battle that goes through at least four episodes straight of Family Guy. The new episode starts, and it's still them fighting until finally they're on the moon with no spacesuits. Or they wearing spacesuits, but then Michael W. rips the helmet off Peter Griffin, who pulls that thing from Total Recall where his eyes bug out, and Peter Griffin has to finally tap out. Michael W., after a long, protracted battle, wins this fight. I gotta tell you, that's something I'd love to see on Fox, uh, Animation Domination Sundays. All right, congratulations, Michael W. Remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the turning point. Matt, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? I'm absolutely loving this battle because, they, they, I mean, really right now, there's a drama that's unfolding here. There's a story that's being that's being told. Uh, this is a movie I want to see. Actually, I don't I don't know what's going on in the MCU, what's going on in this in the kaiju verse, and we're talking about crossovers. Uh, I mean, if we can't get the DC EU in there, let's get the kaiju verse in there. Let's 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 match these up. It, it's almost made for each other. I digress. Now, to the the, the battle at hand. Uh, I first round. Yes, the advantage was clearly. To me, Mecha Godzilla. Now, uh, really, really interesting points uh, were made here by Ray in round two. Uh, just the sheer arsenal of this character. The fact that it's this Mecha Godzilla is apparently just made of missiles that they have somehow just encased in an alloy. This is just a missile and laser uh, device that they put a shell on. And, and fitted in the look of a metal dinosaur. So uh, uh, that, that's, that, that's one. 
really uh, important points were brought up, though, I believed uh, by James, which is now you're introducing the ship. Now you're introducing uh, that, that not only do you have the Guardians of the Galaxy, but the idea that they do have this ship that does have some serious firepower. They've seen combat before. I mean, look, they, they've, they fought uh, Celestial. They fought, you know, they, 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 they uh, fought the uh, uh, Ronin. Uh, so, th so they have been in situations before. Here's what I'm thinking, and here's what I need. Because right now, right now, uh, I mean, it's 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 a lot more dubious. It's a lot more of like I don't know if I'm pulling one way or the other. I would say if there is a slight advantage, it may go to Mechagodzilla. I want to see uh, from Mechagodzilla side. I want to see Ray from you. What? Uh, yeah. How is Mechagodzilla going to deal with the fact that Guardians of the Galaxy uh, are, are coming with this ship that really can be maneuverable, that can really be maneuverable, and especially the idea that it, can, it has pods that can detach and then become extra fighters with, with a lot of the, this extra stuff. I want to see how's Mechagodzilla uh, going to be able to deal with that. James, you got your work cut out here for you, all right? Because you, this, this thing is a laser wrapped in a missile that is encased in an atomic bomb. What I would like to see uh, from you are examples of the Guardians of the Galaxy's power. I mean, I, we, yes, we know they've taken on the Accuser. Yes, we know they've taken on a Celestial. But really, something this big especially that has an answer of, of, it almost seems a scorched earth answer of, hey, I'll shoot my atomic laser things that can, that can take out half a planet. What, what are they going to do? And especially since that you have mentioned that Gamora, Nebula, uh, uh, Rocket, and to a certain extent, Peter Quill, which I'm, I was, uh, have all have a master tactician. Peter Quill is a master tactician. That, that's, I'm going I'm to go ahead and say, as my understanding of that character as a judgment, bit of a stretch, but I'll give it to the other ones. I'll give it to the other ones. Some example or some convincing thing of how they're going to use that strategy, how they're going to employ their power to take on this gargantuan. I'm excited to see where, the, where this story goes. So right now, Pretty even, slight advantage, Mechagodzilla, bring it home. I mean, this is how every Guardians of the Galaxy movie kind of goes, probably the third one as well, where they're kind of uh, behind the eight ball, and then all of a sudden, they find a way to win. I wonder if that'll happen today. All right, with all that Shame being said, you never know. Ray, here's your point number three. Point number three for uh, God, Mechagodzilla. What do we even talk about anymore? Mechagodzilla is, uh, let's talk about some of the things he's done and just let's talk more about everything. Because first off, uh, there, there is a character that he becomes in one of his movies called Super Mechagodzilla, which is like a powered up, you know, Super Saiyan version. But that version does involve him kind of merging with another giant monster. I'm not going to be leaning on it because outside interference is not allowed in boss battles. He must stand on his own own so anybody's shouting why aren't you talking about super mecha godzilla want to address the uh kaiju in the room before that happens now things i know about the guardians of the galaxy they need time to make a plan do i think if they had an extended amount of time especially this version of these characters i think maybe maybe they could come up with something given in a longer period of time months 
they could probably come up with at least a plan of attack. But to do so with no prior knowledge of this character and just put them into a battle with it, I think they would get routed pretty quickly before they would have the time that they need in order to come up with a concrete plan of attack. And let's talk about Mechagodzilla a little bit more because there are a couple different versions in play here. You know, uh, one uh, uh, had humans kind of piloting it. The other one had uh, kind of aliens beaming suggestions to it. But in both of these versions, there's an AI that actually props up Mechagodzilla, allowing it to fight. He has AI and can function with no orders whatsoever. So he doesn't need the aliens over his shoulder or the people, you know, running the gears like it was a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers deal. Uh, He doesn't need that in order to make it happen, right? Uh, His AI is there. So even if he has the humans doing a thing, if he has a better plan with the AI, he can just do it. And he doesn't necessarily need that input in order to take his best interests to make it happen. Now, let's talk about his fighting style. Because one of the things I noticed about Mechagodzilla is he'll stand there and he'll shoot at people. And he'll shoot the finger missiles and the big lasers and all that. But what he prefers to do and where he had his most success against Godzilla was flying up in the air, turning himself into like some sort of like jet transformer thing. And then doing strafing runs on Godzilla over and over and over again. And Godzilla had no answer for this for whatever reason. Godzilla had fought Mothra by this point, but was bamboozled by a flying Mechagodzilla doing bombing runs on him. And absolutely, that's where the blood shooting out of his neck. Sorry, kids at home. That's where he got defeated several times over and bombed out of oblivion. This is how he would prefer to fight. So if he could deal with the ship, which I think he could, I think he only needs one of those lasers to hit. He only needs one of those missiles to hit, and he's shooting some 60-plus at a time, combining missiles and lasers together. I don't know they're going to be able to keep dodging to the point where finally uh, they're going to get hit eventually and go down. And once that happens, you talk about speed. Well, he's a giant kaiju-sized monster. How fast are they running compared to how fast he can run, right? He can move much faster than them based on just size alone, right? But even then, he prefers to get up in the air, do strafing runs, drop missiles, shoot lasers down, and take them out from above where they'll have no answers. And he can move up to Mach 5. Uh, It's called a hover attack, actually. And he's got rocket boosters powerful enough for a short period of time, he was actually able to pick up Godzilla himself and get off the ground with Godzilla on his back. And he's also a little bit smart, right? He's able to disguise himself as Godzilla. (laughs) It was well enough to fool one of Godzilla's friends into fighting with him. That's absolutely wild because you think about it, his first iteration... Godzilla actually needed a second character to beat Mechagodzilla. If this was a straight one-on-one fight, Mechagodzilla would have defeated Godzilla and defeated him many times over, but he needed outside interference in order to win, right? And that's the whole deal. Strategy. I don't even think he needs to use it, but if he just keeps shooting at him and keep blowing out scorched earth around him, I think that's going to be enough to win outright. But that said, he will involve strategy. He hit King Caesar with multiple finger missile blasts, which staggered him, upset him, and caused him to hide behind a mountain. So Mechagodzilla just shot a laser beam to blow up the mountain and then shoot more finger missiles at him afterwards. He gets strategy. You're not going to fool the AI in his head. This guy has got what it takes. Master tactician? No. But at the end of the day, when you're this big and this powerful, do you need to be? And that's my point number three. 
You know, this is all interesting stuff, but Ray, you're kind of giving me some ammo here. First of all, you just said to yourself, he's not a master tactician. Is he smart enough to say, hey, I just shot this thing with finger missiles. I just saw it go behind a mountain. I'll blow up the mountain and get a better you know, shot at this thing I was shooting at that's now behind the mountain. That's not called master strategy. That's not called being a tactician. That's being called, I don't know, third grade ability to shoot things. It's kind of crazy. No, wait, wait a minute, James. You said yourself in your point number one, the Guardian would head for the hills and spread out. Well, what good does that do when he can just blow up the hills? That's fair if they were deciding to hide behind hills, which isn't something they quite do. Now, I got to push back on some more stuff. First of all, in this battle, they're not going to need to plan. And I'll get into my point number three, because they've actually fought in a somewhat similar kind of scenario before. And this will all become clear on top of that. In terms of fighting style, yeah, I'll mention this as well. The fighting style is not there. This is actually something, if you go to like weaknesses of Mechagodzilla on Google, you'll actually see that his, his the fact that he has very little to none actual fighting style fighting ability this is just not something he does is he a rudimentary can he throw a punch kind of sure just like a drunken sailor can throw a ball up a fist and throw it you know wherever it needs to go uh and finally you know mechagodzilla doesn't really have a defense against the bowie their spaceship's cloaking device or cloaking ability or stealth ability we've never seen mechagodzilla actually have to kind of figure out where a flying thing that could stay in one spot or kind of be very maneuverable but is completely undetectable well, it's never had to fight against that in particular. Now, let me get to my point number three. Again, all is going to be made very, very clear about this. For point number three, let's talk about Mechagodzilla's weaknesses and how the Guardians of the Galaxy will use them to get the win. So again, Mechagodzilla, as crazy powerful of an opponent as he is with some great accomplishments, he does have some glaring weaknesses. Weaknesses, by the way, not only the Guardians of the Galaxy could use in this battle, but these are weaknesses the Guardians of the Galaxy have used before to get a win. So in terms of weaknesses, I already mentioned it, hand-to-hand -hand combat. This is a known thing throughout the lore of Mechagodzilla. When Mechagodzilla has to take on Godzilla 1-1 and put up their dukes, yeah, he's just not there. He does not have great fighting ability. He's a swing-and-a-miss type of guy or a creature, or thing, whatever it is, that's what you got there. Look, he's got, Mechagodzilla is also a range fighter. Mechagodzilla is best when it has a large attack, like a large thing to shoot at. The ship's big enough, the Bowie, I guess, for Guardians of the Galaxy, but individually, they are not big objects to shoot at. If they start scattering, is Mechagodzilla going to know exactly where to go? Probably not. There's a lot of human error that can occur with Mechagodzilla as well, or, 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 organic error of fuel. Sure, it's got an AI, but there's still a human mind or human minds or alien minds behind it trying to help it out. These are alien minds that haven't seen what the Guardians of the Galaxy can do. They're not familiar with it. It's a random encounter. Conversely, the Guardians of the Galaxy, wow, that's a huge, big creature, armored, whatever it is. Yeah, they've, they've actually faced off against stuff like that. In the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, in the opening sequence, there's a massive kind of kaiju creature that they're fighting right there, not even using their ship, and they still got the win. Here's another one. He's an imposing creature, but Mechagodzilla's size is actually a weakness. Matthew Harris, our esteemed judge, already kind of mentioned this. Sure, it can move big, and it can move fast for its size. That doesn't mean it can move fast. It doesn't mean it can move out of the way, dodge, or have that agility. That's not what Mechagodzilla can do, although it'd be really cool if it could. And if you remember, Guardians of the Galaxy beat a godlike planet-sized opponent in Ego the Living Planet. That was played by Kurt Russell, of course. I just mentioned that before. This is the same, these tactics they used to beat Ego the Living Planet. 
where Rocket Raccoon had to create this bomb from out of nowhere, and it had to be super powerful. And he gives it to uh, Groot, who had to tunnel in and figure out using his plant-like powers to get into the center of the planet near the brain of Ego, while Ego, the Avatar, is fighting off against Quill, who now has these powers. And while it's being distracted, it doesn't realize until too late that the bomb is there, the bomb goes off, and destroys the entire planet. Luckily, they all get away. This is something that they're going to use against Mechagodzilla. So here, because the other thing is, Mechagodzilla, it's a known fact in the specs of Mechagodzilla, there are openings in Mechagodzilla. There are actual openings that are big enough for people to get into. Why? Because some versions have actual people pilots within Mechagodzilla. If there's any openings, Rocket Raccoon's getting into them, and very, at the least, Groot will figure a way to use its plants to slink inside and kind of maneuver itself. So here's how the fight goes. They face off, they square off. Mechagodzilla's gonna go on the attack first and hit the Bowie with lasers and missiles. The Guardians turn on their shields, they cloak their ship and quickly maneuver to a spot where Mechagodzilla is probably above Mechagodzilla. They kind of remain undetected. They quickly come up with a plan because they've done this before. They uncloak, take on Mechagodzilla directly, and the maneuverability and advanced weapons are inflicting some damage, the same amount of damage they're taking from Mechagodzilla's weapons. Mechagodzilla then gets hit by a barrage of heavy fire from behind. That's Drax, Gamora, and Nebula with their powerful advanced weaponry. Now, I'm not saying it's hurting Mechagodzilla, but Mechagodzilla is taking notice. Now, Mechagodzilla is being attacked on two fronts. The people and the ship. And while all of this is happening, they're trying to figure out how to stay in the fight. While all this is taking place, Groot and Rocket Raccoon have secretly found a way on the ground inside the interior of Mechagodzilla. They see that where they have to travel to, it might take them some time as they're going up. And Quill is saying, hey, if you're going to do it, do it now. They quickly get in the right spot. They figure out how to turn off the transmission from the aliens or humans controlling the AI, the AI control, whatever it is, or plant a bomb, whatever it is. They destroy Mechagodzilla from the inside. Luckily, they escape in time. The same way they beat Ego, the living planet, they will do so to Mechagodzilla, who is a fraction the size of Ego. With all that being said, their experience, their pluckiness, their advanced tech, and their tactics and their powers are what are going to lead a come-from-behind type of victory against Mechagodzilla. That is my point number three. All right, all right. Uh, there's a lot of conjecture happening right here. You know, much like uh, an album purely consisting of Smash Mouth's B-side uh, songs, I'm not buying it. And I'm not buying it for several reasons. I will tell you right now, yeah, I just don't agree with this argument they're going to be able to just run up and get inside Mechagodzilla. As soon as they get close, uh, he's going scorched earth. We're talking about rockets from his... Uh, they can't run through, you know, jet, you know, engine exhausts. Rocket doesn't have that kind of ability. They can't ha be able to dodge through entire missiles destroying countrysides. They're not like that kind of a battle. And that's the level of destruction that Mechagodzilla is bringing. If he was only shooting pinpoint laser beams around, I could see your argument having more merit. But he's shooting gigantic explosions that destroy Tokyo at the end of the day, rips down buildings, takes out, you know, I saw him take out like a racetrack just by walking through it. How If he's even just moving, they're not going to be able to get close enough to him without getting destroyed absolutely outright. And remember, Matthew, you said it during your uh, turning point, you wanted to kind of hear what he would do against some of the smaller forces. Well, this is a guy who could fight armies. 
All these kaiju monsters can fight armies involving tanks and infantry and platoons and airplanes and bomber jets, and they could take them all. Even King Kong was on top of the Empire State Building swatting away the airplanes. So no, I don't think that just regular old people walking up to him with knives and pistols are going to be enough under any circumstances to take him out. So what's actually going to happen here, the ship's going to come in. He's going to shoot a bunch of missiles at it. It's going to fly around, trying to be... They're going to realize it's just not able to penetrate this armor that could hit the atomic breath without going down. At this point, he's going to shoot him with a missile, shoot him with a laser. Something in this wide breadth of attacks is going to hit the ship and not destroy it, but it is going to knock it out of commission, causing it to crash. He's going to turn. They're going to scramble for the hills. And at this point, he's just going to go straight up in the air with his rocket boosters, strafe run the area till everybody's gone, there's nothing moving, and it is desolate, you know, fallout-level destruction underneath him. It's not ending well for anyone else in the area either, but it's especially not ending well for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Listen, the bottom line is, point number three for both Ray and myself, should each have their day in the sun as a live-action, mega-blockbuster, $300 million budget film, uh, and then we should let the fans decide. But in- I-, I would watch this movie in a heartbeat, just for the record. In agreement now, but until that happens, which I'm sure will happen any day, let's see what our judge has to say about this battle. So, Matt, uh, you know, you've heard three points from everybody myself. It's time for you to make that magical decision that you do so well. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Mechagodzilla and the Guardians of the Galaxy. Absolutely. Now, first of all, I just want to say how immensely entertained I am right now because I actually just got to sit through... Two pretty incredible movies right now that were given uh, in these point threes. Uh, Ray's a lot more dystopian, like given given a lot more like Avengers: uh, Infinity War, where it was just like, and then everyone was dead. The end. Good night, kids. Um, but I I thoroughly enjoyed both of those movies. All right, here's let's 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 get to the test. Let's let's take the gloves off. Let's put the socks on. Uh, let's let's do other things with various accessories and and get down to the results here. Here's what I have to. Here's what I'm thinking in terms of, of this. Both of you fought tooth and nail for this. When we started out, round one, I'm hearing this and I'm going, okay, Mechagodzilla is this crazy force. Guardians of the Galaxy absolutely cool. They have the place in my heart. I actually know, uh, I have followed more Guardians of the Galaxy than I have any of the Mechagodzilla stuff. There's a special place in there that that wants me to root for them, but I'm looking at it and it's pretty lopsided, all right? Uh, Round two, we start getting interesting points. The ship is introduced. I still have a couple of questions, but, but we're really starting to do it. Round three, you come out. Both of you deliver on some fronts, and and here is uh, what I see. Here's the combination of the movies that I see. I see the the the, the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, uh, in the, the Bowie. I believe the ship's called the Bowie, right? Uh, or, Correct. Or, this version of the ship. Okay, so they so they're in the Bowie. They're they're facing off against Mechagodzilla. They do the cloak thing. They get close. Uh, there's there's rockets being fired. There's lasers being fired because the an AI can still tell that okay the ship is cloaked. I haven't heard any points to say that there's any other type of imaging that can uh, combat this cloaking. Like there's no uh, he's not looking at them on a thermal or infrared thing. He's going to be pretty blind to what they have. Right. So they can blast. They can they can start to come up with their plan. 
Interesting thing about the, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy's plans. And this, it seems like a disadvantage, but I think it actually works for them. When the Guardians of the Galaxy make a plan, it almost always goes wrong. That's the whole point of it. Peter Quill usually is going one way, the other people go the other way, they have a general idea, and then there's just a series of <laughs> cascading failures. But, and this is where, because honestly, you've brought up Plucky more than one time, and there's, uh, of course, uh, the one thing that I didn't hear defined was, what is Pluck? But I have an idea. I went ahead and made my own judgment as to what Pluck is, and Pluck is that uh, that combination of, of uh, it, well, it's dumb luck. It's, it's, it's not just lucky. It's when you're dumb lucky. It's when things shouldn't work out for you, but they do. If it were D&D, that's going to give you extra roll points. You got to hit that 20. This is going to give you like a plus five on any one of your rolls. Uh, so that's definitely going to help put them in position. They're going to have a cascade of failures. The ship's going to get shot down. Uh, but Rocket and Groot, they have this plan. They're going to still go in. They're going to get to, they're going to see, oh, look, there's the port. There it is. Everybody spread out. Try to, maybe a couple of people are in the escape pods. They're shooting, they're shooting. Rocket and Groot had their way to go there, but unfortunately, they get fried by the shield. I didn't hear anything that was combating this 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 shield that that Mecha Godzilla can put up. I don't see how they would get through it. It would be a wonderful plan if they could just get in there and get out just like they did with the Planet Ego. If they could maybe even do a Return of the Jedi where they fly in, blow it up, and fly out, going yeehaw. But I don't see it this time. And so, in this movie, Mecha Godzilla walks away with the win. Oh, you know, in my oh, point, boy. here's the deal. I love how I, I actually want to see this movie even more than the way Ray and I depicted it. The only thing is I did bring up in my point number two rebuttal, point number one rebuttal, how the shield only hits the ground and how Groot can go under the ground and around the shield that you, way. You you did, but also what Ray did bring up is the fact that the missiles that, that it can be shot can root underground as well. So I took that as a wash. You can, if you mm. tunnel under a place that can be laced with explosives, especially if they were unshipped and unhoused, look, they have great armor, but uh, they, they're all organic beings, and they're just walking on a minefield. You know, here's the thing, I, I and Ray knows this too, I, if I really disagree with something, man, I am vocal about it. But with this battle against such a, they fought Ego, but the planet itself wasn't really like trying to crush them the same, with the same veracity, if that's the right word, as a Mecha Godzilla. So I got to tell you, although I'm not happy I didn't get the, I'm not happy I didn't get the win, but I really enjoyed the story you told. I could see it. I'm okay with this decision. I think it was well fought on both sides. The Guardians of the Galaxy, I could have taken the comic book version with crazy powerful beings. But no, I wanted this cinematic universe versus cinematic universe to make this the battle it was. And race to Canis, my hat is off to you, not just for a great win, but for us creating a great narrative of a story that should be created somewhere, sometime, again, with a $300 billion, million dollar budget for this great film. Race to Canis, another victory. How are you feeling right now? You know, I want to say that this is one of the best fights that James Gavsey has ever put up on the Who Would Win show in a losing effort. I want to say it, but I will not. Of course not. I will not say it oh under boy. any circumstances. Oh boy, what God. I will say is I'm curious now, based on what you just said, 
If you were to use the comic book version, which is what I kind of thought you were going to go with, what if you use the comic book version in a rematch against one of the later, say, the anime version or the, the newer movie version or an even more powerful Super Mecha Godzilla version of it? What if we took both of these characters and had a round two of this battle as you know a rematch down the road somewhere using the different versions would we still have the same result i think it's an avenue worth discussing i think that's a brilliant idea let's have another matchup somewhere down the road let's make it a no holds barred matchup the most powerful version of mechagodzilla versus the most powerful version of the guardians of the galaxy i can find because there's there are insanely more powerful there's versions a lot of them. available yeah, I'm in. I'm in for this. Next week, line it up. What, what's I'm getting a note in my ear? We're not doing it next week. Yeah. We're not allowed yeah. to do it next week. All right, that's fine. Look, of course I think this is the right decision. I was very, very nervous when Matthew Harris got about halfway through his decision, and I was like, uh-oh, uh, am I actually in trouble here? I don't think I should be, but am I? And uh, thankfully, he turned it around, righted the ship, if you will, and properly nuked the Guardians from orbit. I just got to say I earned it. Once again, much like last week, I deserve it. Uh, I'm great, and I'm glad to see greatness pay off once again. It's not always rewarded in our time, boys and girls at home. And I'd like to say, at least today, my greatness was rewarded. Was it, though? All right, listen. Whenever you have Matt Harris on as a judge, the ultimate winners are not Ray's Decanus or myself. It's the fans. It's the Legion of Audience. Therefore, Ray's not really the winner. Neither am I. It's the fans. So I take the win away from Ray and give no. it to where it needs to go. The fans, How it you works. are welcome. Not a, even a little Legion bit. Applause for the fans. Applause and, and for the fans. Thank you. And, and that's what... Matthew Harris, that's what you do for people. You're you're a gift that keeps on giving. You make everyone feel great, even in a loss. I still feel absolutely fantastic. With that being said, please come back onto the show. And in the meantime, tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, who loves every bit of you, where they can find you online. Uh, I thank you for that. Uh, you can find me. Uh, well, actually, before before I just start plugging myself, let me tell you this. I I do. I want to commend both of you. This was a this was a, a absolutely wonderful thing to be a part of, and I I, I do got to give kudos to you, James. All right, because picking the version that you did. I mean, you, you that that's that's like you decided. Okay, I'm going to go in and spar with the best version of Muhammad Ali. Uh, and I am, you know what, but I, but I'm going to fight Southpaw. Like I'm just going to go in something that's not even, I don't even really do. I can do it, but you, you, you really had to fight uphill and this wasn't a, this wasn't a clobbering. This wasn't a loss. I mean, I, I would say this one went to the cards. So, uh, kudos to you on that, uh, um, Ray, you need no congratulations. You have given them all. Uh, I could use yourself. a little bit more, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that we have the time for what you need. Yeah. Wow, that's, and I that say, is I say a, that with love. There's a lot to unpack on that statement, which is also 100% correct. I say that with love. I say that with love. Uh, everyone out there, you can find me at... You find me on Instagram. It is... It's Matt Harris Graham. You just put that all in there. Uh, don't check Twitter because I rarely go on there. Uh, but you can definitely find me at my website, www.itsmattharris.com. See what I'm up to. Check out Future Date. Listen to Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. And have yourselves a lovely spring.
I love it. Okay, race to Canis. You have another very well-fought, hard-earned victory. You know, you took the most powerful version of Mechagodzilla, and you did that version justice, at least in my opinion. Tell our fan base, the Legion of Audience, where they can find you. Of course, I should feel great because I am great, and therefore, none of this should be a surprise. I deserve to win today. I did win today. I can stave off that uh, sickening feeling in the pit of my stomach that comes every time I lost for at least one more week. It's gonna take it's gonna take a special kind of judge, quite honestly, James Gabsey, to knock me off of this new winning streak. And I'm curious who you're gonna go to the board and bring in next week. It's gonna take a lot to dampen my confidence as far as that goes. Let me just put that out there right away. Uh, otherwise, you should listen to Reclaim Detroit. My Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. There are five episodes currently out. You can listen to them at VampireDetroit.com or wherever you podcast. That would be your Spotify's, your Audibles, Google, or Apple Podcasts. It is available there. And I'll break the news right now. We have we have broken, uh, we've taken the shovel to the dirt on the rest of season one. There are currently eight more episodes being written and in various stages of production. Uh, I've been talking with Matthew Harris, who will be appearing once again on the show as Alexander, the gangrel detective. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. he's going to be there. And uh, we're gonna, we got some really good stuff coming for you. So just give me some time. This is a small production. So to do something as big as we're trying to do takes a little extra time. I'm hoping by the end of the summer announcement here to have more episodes coming for you then. So be ready for that and uh, get caught up. If you haven't already taken the chance to listen, you can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. I'm feeling good right now. You know, Ray, uh, how long was it between Avatar and the second Avatar? Like 72 years. Right. So, you know, you're doing something much bigger, much greater, much more meaningful. Take 100. Do yeah. Take your time. And they have hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars compared to my not that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you've made dozens of dollars with all of the returns of the Pepsi Max cans. I would argue I have lost money on this project. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. All right. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gabsey. Remember to join the Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Hoodwin Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcast. On behalf of myself, Ray Cicanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. Hi, I'm Erica. And I'm Cassandra. And we're the hosts of Trashy Trashy. We're a podcast filled with trashy news stories and garbage people. Did you leave the scene of an accident to go tanning? Do you refer to wearing the strap down on your Crocs as sports mode? Have you ordered Domino's online before they even open in the morning? Are you switching the same AAA batteries from your TV remote to your vibrator instead of just buying more batteries? Or are you normal? Check us out wherever you download podcasts.